0: Box Spots and share Shots, and people, just to start off, if y'all haven't,
1: go subscribe to 5 Spots and share Shots on all platforms to make sure we're here on box Spots
0: and share Shots, one of the hottest
1: podcasts
0: out here, definitely from the spotlight on <laughs> the B.I.J. Savage episode, and Spots and Chair Shots, just got... SAVAGE! Hello all my people, if you're watching live, checking us out on YouTube, or listening on your favorite podcast provider, you are most definitely my people. Welcome to another episode of Botch, and Share Shots. We still have high hopes of delivering quality wrestling content, and if not, we'll sprinkle in the yellow shoe guy and the boss bitch Allison Siegel, you know, so we still get over. I'm your host, a chef by trade and a mark by choice. I am the Will Grant. I'm glad to be here on this journey, and tonight, that journey is Anything Goes. And yes, I'm recording this after the fact because I didn't hit record last night live television sort of he is the yellow shoe guy the opinions of him and him alone are of him and him alone and not the botch pots and chair shots or the smack draw podcast network i am all over the place bobby mack how are you
2: i am great it's colder than a witch's toe here in tennessee or texas wherever the f i am see now i'm (laughs) i'm catching whatever you got uh so yeah i'm here let's try this out i uh i'm not gonna lie i've I've... (laughs) let
0: me get my composure um i i apologize for that guys i'm here are you you, you no. apologize for being here or you apologize for your actions? <clears throat> both okay i've got it together you ready you guys ready
2: mm-hmm. do, you, do you want to say suck it
0: and joining us upon her iron throne she is the hovet of my beyonce she is the bonnie to my clyde she is the boss bitch mitch allison seagull allison how are you
1: I'm good. You're still uh taking that Beyonce, aren't you?
0: I knew it. as soon as I said it. I was like, I messed that <laughs> one up too. Um <laughs> Well, the good thing is, uh, here we are. We made it. It's another Thursday. Um, episode ninety-eight of botch spots and chair shots. So I always start the same way. What has you guys pissed off for greatness tonight?
2: Oh man, that the elite are back. Because that's what wrestling really needed was Three guys that are overrated that cause drama in the locker room that only push their friends, um, that really can't draw, and they push the biggest draw in AEW out the door in CM Punk. So, yeah, welcome back, the elite.
0: Uh, disagree with that. Um, uh, did they officially come back though? I saw the Thanos thing where they like, oh, I don't feel so good, Mr. Stark, and they went all spidey on us. Uh, yeah, they were
2: age uh, last night. That's the report. One of the great thing about that. Thanos thing, is that every time they started saying something that was a lie, like, we're here to make wrestling great, that's when they disappeared. We're here to make Big Stock, that's when they disappeared. So it was perfect timing for them disappearing. Um, But yeah, I, I have no interest in them coming back, and it actually makes me less interested in even watching AEW or trying to watch the product. Do you think that AEW is fine without Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks on their television? I don't think I know. I know that it's better without the elite being there. I the elite are—they're overrated, especially in their own heads. Um, they're just going to push their friends again. And you can see over the past three or four months, even without their biggest draw, Punk, being there, they have not needed the elite. Uh, they haven't needed their egos in the back, and we certainly have not needed their friends on the TV. Miss Siegel.
1: Hmm. <laughs> Well, I appreciate that the few women's matches that we're getting on TV have been bangers, but we're still only like one match per show.
2: Don't worry, when Omega's back, he'll push all of his uh, girls from uh, the Asian tours, the Japanese tours, and they'll all be on there, and it'll be a half show of them, and then the other half show will be... The other half show will be the elite's friends, who are really no bigger than mostly female wrestlers. Bema says delete the elite. Emma's 100% correct. I, Um, I
1: mean, honestly, have we really... Like, Kenny Omega was gone before for, what, 200 and whatever days it was? Like, did it really matter? No. And the Young Bucks, even before they got suspended, they didn't come... They weren't on TV a whole lot this past little bit so
2: like i'd say they were there for almost every opening match because they wanted to do every single move that everybody else was going to do the rest of the show making the rest of the show not watchable because you'd already seen those moves in the first match where the bucks were using finishers as just transitional moves can you guys tell i'm not a bucks fan or an elite fan
0: i i was gonna say something and it's I'm gonna prepare it because both of you are about to rip me to shreds um this is a
2: mess, bro you're supposed to say stuff so.
0: do we need to put a flash warning on our stream because of my effing camera like
2: it's legit i think i'm haunted
1: is it plugged in all the way
2: that's what she said i haven't even noticed but i'm looking at myself and not you
0: this is
1: live ladies and gentlemen do you always look at yourself Bobby? me um. uh
2: yeah he has to i'm the first person to uh Get an Only, uh, OnlyFans page and uh, have
0: to actually pay people. Kenny Omega. So when he was gone, I was on the whole Kenny Omega. AW doesn't need him train, and uh, I'm going to call it what it is. I'm going to say I'm woke. Uh, I've realized that, and Bobby's about to make fun of me for what I'm about to say. And Allison, you might, you might take that full Matt Ritter taking my spot on the show offer um (laughs) kenny omega's not a bad worker you guys like he's not the guy can work he's a decent wrestler i'm not gonna say he's the best in the world but like i think i'm finally on the train where i can get behind kenny omega's being a main event superstar
1: based on what
0: based on the fact that he's one of the most consistent in-ring workers on their roster when he's healthy based on the fact that we know he can carry a major company in promotion, because he did it for years with New Japan, and I know what you're about to say. You're going to go, I don't want to have to go back and watch wrestling six years oh. ago to see how good somebody is. But if I want to watch really great Roddy Piper, I'm not going to watch him in TNA in 2000. All right. no, I know. You know what I mean? I'm seriously confused. That camera's freaking me
2: out. But, oh, yeah, I did see it that time. You did see it? But that's my yeah, point. So, jumping in right away, Omega and his jazz hands, and I know that's stealing something from another podcast Where people say is a very bitter uh southern wrestling manager in uh, Tennessee, but he's consistent in consistently bad matches. Like his matches don't tell a good story. He was big in Japan because he can't talk. And the only time I think he got over in this area with AEW was because of uh Callus. Right? Callis was a manager?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, because Callis can talk and he he made him more interesting. Because he actually had a voice to it. So, you know, I guess people could say, well, the same thing. Well, Brock Lesnar can't talk or, you know, Roman Reigns couldn't talk for a long time. But they've developed that and now they can. And they're running and they've been the most popular wrestler in the largest company in the world. Where Kenny Omega, you go go to Japan when you can't talk. And there's a lot of guys over there that are good workers that can't tell a story um, on the microphone to talk people into the seats.
0: One of my favorite things about the Kenny Omega story in New Japan, though, is... He actually took on... He was a local. He had lived there for years. He can speak the language, everything. But my point is, is that when he made his hill turn in Japan, he stopped speaking Japanese and would only speak English. And I thought using that depth in his in his character and his story, like you don't see that from a lot of guys these days. And yes, I know you don't have to want to go back to 2015, 2016 for the story. But if you take into appreciation that like Bobby I mean Hogan was only good from like 81 to 83
2: What? He hadn't even had not even his peak at that point. He, he was won't... good from 81 to 92 was his top in in ring stuff. Um after that his character his character was strong from 83 until I don't know, what's today? 2022 Yeah. So, you know, Omega Omega's good at copying people. Like I'll give him that, but he's he's good at copying the ideas. Like This whole hand signal that he does, and for those of us on podcast, if you look at the Texas Longhorns, that's the signal I'm doing. Um, The the really cool catchphrase, what is it? Oh, too sweet. Like, for him to be able to take that was really amazing. And what you're saying about not speaking um, Japanese to be a heel, Mick Foley in ECW went against hardcore wrestling. Um, Let's see, Jericho later on didn't even speak to the fans because they all wanted to hear him talk. So... I don't know. Omega is a good student of the game, but he doesn't actually want to study the game and the dynamics that it takes to be a good in ring competitor and tell the story in the ring.
0: Agree to disagree. Um,
1: I mean, I just like Kenny Omega, not for wrestling reasons, but I don't really want to delve into that situation.
0: I mean, other than him, he's he's a creep. I mean, I'll call it what it is. But I mean, as a worker,
1: As a worker, he's fine, but I can't support him.
0: Oh, I I represent that. Are you drinking a Blast? I am. I love Taco Bell. I had Taco Bell today. Their new beeria tacos are great. No free shout-outs. Hey, and welcome our new sponsor, Taco Bell. Dude, I thought about that. I was like, (laughs) if Alex Zane can get sponsored by Taco Bell, surely we can. Taco Uh, Bell? Taco Bell. You want to make fun of it? I was also... No, I'm butchering this. I was also adopted, Bobby. You want to talk about that on air, too? Why is my camera haunted? I'm telling you guys, if I die, I'm going to make sure everybody knows it's going down on air. Okay, we're going to do something new tonight before we dive into news and rumors. Um, what did we decide to call it? Botch Bots and Chair Shots Hater of the Week? Yes. All right, we're going to call it Botch Bots and Chair Shots Hater of the Week. Um, I'm going to start it, and I didn't really give you guys homework for this, so if you get not bring one of your own, that's fine, but I got a really good one for the first oh, one. Um and mine comes in from TikTok and it was on a video and it's from Too Old for TikTok 147 so one that's a super cool name and he says this is just you hating new things because you hate your life WWE didn't ruin your childhood your parents did um for one years of drug abuse and alcohol ruined my adolescence not my parents but that's neither here nor there uh um, yeah and I need parents you didn't you were raised in the ring by wolves right ruined my own self <laughs> is chester okay
1: my computer that's muted over here so i have a second yeah my computer just like made a weird like beep noise
0: have you guys For ever dollars. have you guys ever seen that movie host where they're doing a séance in zoom And then, like, the demon gets through and they all get invaded. I think that's what's happening right now because whatever's haunting me is now messing with Al's computer. Um, So, let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, We're going to send it up to Alice and Allison. We're going to start with you. It's anything.
1: Well, oh, oh, do I have any hater hater tweets?
0: Do you have a hater tweet? That was mine, too cool for school 147 Uh, or whatever his name was. I'm a tool and he thinks that my parents ruined my life.
1: I get fat shamed on TikTok a lot.
0: That's stupid.
1: Hence why I don't post on TikTok a lot, but I'm trying to. But yeah, uh, I get fat shamed on TikTok a lot.
0: I'm not going to lie. If you've watched this show for more than one week, you know that uh, I like thick girls. So do your thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we're going to send it up to you for uh, news and rumors. Um, Let's kick it off.
2: i'm still confused about the whole hater segment the hater segment
0: it's supposed
1: to be like a thing that he forgot he forgot to tell you i forgot we came up with it we came up with it the other day in a conversation without you
0: look i'm telling you like this episode is non-existent in my notebook i wrote down four things
2: this is the thing that i hate um russell talk a lot of times gets way too toxic yes and that's another that's another TikTok thing, but I do hashtag them all the time because they do follow. Um, almost at 5,000 follows now for Yellow Shoe Guy, uh, thanks to Wrestle Talk and all these uh, guys that I don't really care if they listen to us or not, as long as they keep watching the videos. But the way they just, like, they attack people, and then they just come back. You know, one of the guys that we've talked about on here, I won't say his full name, but you guys were telling me last night that they were attacking this poor guy for no reason whatsoever other than a joke. And... The fact was they got mad at me for trying to coach him up and they are beating him down so wrestle talk is toxic
0: it is very toxic miss siegel you got a hater of the week
1: um well i haven't gotten any hater mail recently so i don't have a hater of the week okay no i do have a hater of the week and i'm gonna say this um i don't know who who upset justin and the assholes that like did whatever they did to justin on wrestle talk but that's that's my haters of the week yes guys
2: yep so support support justin bundy on wrestle talk on TikTok. um he's a good guy you know he means really well his videos are somewhat entertaining whether you're laughing with him or laughing at him um but it it'll make you laugh either way
0: he's a good dude
2: and he doesn't even follow me anymore
0: <laughs> and it's because you're an asshole
2: uh yeah i'm proud of it
1: okay news and rumors
0: man this is derailed fast,
1: I fast, mean, this is fast
2: At silver dollar city i'm just gonna, i'm just gonna blame drugs sure
1: there might be alcohol in my Baja blast. Baja blast um okay so, my first one is the good brother said, Fuck you, New Japan. Yeah,
0: they did. Actually, they say, Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby, you want to go first? Uh,
2: do you, yeah. Do you even know what happened? Yeah, the uh, Carl Anderson is still a champion over there. Yeah. He's refusing to go back. They booked him for a show, but he's double booked the WWE show. So, he said, We're not going and he's not going to defend that title over there. And it's kind of like one of those things where Flair took the uh, NWH championship to the WWE, they can't get their belt back. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen long-term.
0: So Carl Anderson released a video on his Twitter a few weeks ago, right after the Raw debut, I think, on like the 10th or the 12th or something. Um, I don't remember exactly. I don't have it pulled up in front of me. But apparently – He said that they didn't book him properly through Doc Gallows, his booking agent, because Doc Gallows handles all of uh, Carl Anderson's bookings, all of his own bookings, and the Good Brothers collectively together. So the thing is, he was like, you didn't go through me when you booked this, so we took the WWE booking because we weren't made aware of it. New Japan gave a press release, and they said, yo, um, actually, this has been booked for weeks, and we made you aware of it I think it was six days prior to the Raw debut. So they knew about the booking for almost a week and still accepted the Raw booking and then accepted the Crown Jewel booking to be in Saudi Arabia. So on November 5th, Carl Anderson is booked with the Good Brothers to go against the Judgment Day. And at the same time, he's booked to defend the never open weight title against Hikaleu in Osaka, Japan for the Battle of Autumn. Um, New Japan has said that if he, knows, if he knows shows Battle of Autumn, they will strip him of the title and the vacancy will be on his record. He has a longstanding history with New Japan Pro Wrestling, so if he does them wrong, this could be one of those where he turns his back on a promotion that's been there every time he's left WWE, and WWE's gotten rid of him and Dot Gallows twice or three times now. So if he turns his back on New Japan, this could throw away his entire career with that company
2: in lieu of a paycheck from WWE. As somebody who's burned a bridge once or twice this year. This week? Day, Yeah, bridges can be rebuilt. And like um, the former CEO of WWE, you know, you got to do it. You know, you do do what's best for the business. And if New Japan thinks what's best for business is to get rid of him, today that's fine because tomorrow they might change their mind um is doc gallows is he like related to luke or is he like a distant cousin like a father figure who's doc gallows
0: doc gallows is uh luke gallows the other good brother the big tall bald guy the not never open weight champion
2: oh okay so luke and doc are the same it's not like marty and doc
0: no doc gallows and luke gallows are the same person bobby i forget that you're not into fan fiction I think you and Ritter are more alike than you guys give each other credit for. Hey, Allison, did you say you had Ritter's number? Are you guys... You're going to kick me off of my own damn show. You know what? I'm going to start my own podcast.
1: Our show. It's our show.
0: I'm going to start my own podcast with hookers and blow.
2: Well, this one's never going to see the air, is
0: it? It has to because we got to get to 100, so fuck it. (laughs) All right. Um, I think Carl Anderson's kind of shot himself in the foot. I said a long time the best thing for New Japan to do would be to keep the belt on him as long as they couldn't just stretch it out. If they stretched it out, then it would be a lot of free pub for them, and it could be one of those things where, like I've said, I wrote it in my article, no free shout-outs to the you know the botchbots and Share Shots blog. Um, I said there that if they did this, they could strong-arm a working relationship with WWE because of their verbal agreement on bookings with Carl Anderson.
2: Could this be an angle to where that's something in development? You would think? Like is is Anderson Is Anderson that big in either promotion to spark something, like an invasion type angle, which obviously fits really well with the Bullet Club and the other people they've stolen the gimmicks from.
0: Well, I said last week that AEW has a working relationship with Noah coming up. So we know that their work their relationship with New Japan is out. Um but we can confirm with Billy Corgan that WWE has a closed door right now as far as interpromotion work. So this is only an agreement as far as we know, based on the fact that they said they would allow Anderson to finish
2: his New Japan bookings. Okay. And when you said the forfeit would go on his record, does New Japan hold like record books? Like is is this like something that's part of the story? Like, is this is is the record important in New Japan?
0: Well, I don't the, the, the reason why I say that is because this would be like a, uh, a failure to show for a shift. They're going to be like, this is job abandonment, like a no-call, no-show in our field. You know what I mean? That's what they're God. saying this is. They're going to say if he doesn't show up, they're going to strip him of the title and forfeit the rest of his bookings and stuff. All of his money that he's been guaranteed for the, the next tour through Osaka all the way through the bookings in January will be gone if he no-shows on the 5th.
2: Right. And just like I said before, though, this is pro wrestling. What's best for business? Steve Austin walked out. Hulk Hogan tried to put McMahon in jail. Uh, Lesnar's walked out before. Um, you know, there's, there's very there's very few uh, situations that, you know, will we'll, we'll be privy to where somebody won't come back. Like even the rumor, and Allison, I don't want to step on your toes, but even the possible rumor that WWE's interested in CM Punk. Like whatever's best for business, these, these businesses are going to do. Yeah. Allison, do I step on your toes? It's fine. You get we it. can
1: just skip to that one. Tagway. Tagway. So there's a potential Punk contract buyout. Um, Will seems to think that Punk's gonna show up at a uh, Rumble. I don't think so. He's broken. I think. What is it that you said earlier? Will, in the in the group thread. That this is like the fight was just uh um...
2: sweet. Hmm. Was it just too
1: sweet? <laughs> no, the, the fight was like a like a work, I guess, so he could like maybe get out of his contract
0: because he's so hurt. No, I didn't say that. That wasn't me.
2: Are you sure, Will? Because you're forgetting a lot of stuff today. No, no,
0: no, no, no. Um, maybe it wasn't you. Know, no, was it wasn't
1: Pretty Kyle?
0: It may have been, because I didn't talk about Punk today. What I talked about Baron Corbin today, I made fun of Corbin, but I didn't talk about Punk. Not in, not in any
2: of the group threads I remember. Was it
1: pretty, Kyle? Um, I don't
2: think work. Like, there's no way that Shoot Fight was a work to where they gave you know their three EVPs off for this much time. They've taken their top guy off the of TV for this much time. And you got to remember their top guy, even though he's injured, he had a great storyline going with uh, MJF. Uh, so they've, they put a lot of money. There's no way that Tony Khan would put this much money in the trash can by not having these guys. Like they just gave them this triple, whatever title is the six man tag team titles. Um, so they don't have anymore. Yeah. they, they, they did way too much reshuffling to get these four guys off TV and then fire this other guy publicly to make this feel work.
0: No, I don't, it it might be to some point turned into a worked shoot, Um, but I think, I've said this before, and I did say this in the group thread about Punk, but I don't think it was today, I said that Punk's biggest fault is, and I said it on the rewind, um, Punk always rides that wave of being CM Punk. He loves being the bright, shiny new toy as long as he can, but the moment he isn't the most over person in the company and it's somebody else's time to shine he gets really toxic he takes his ball and he goes home my references were what he did in ring of honor exiting going to wwe he showed his ass
2: um disagree with he signed the contract with wwe and then stayed as their world champion for another year before leaving
0: yeah but think about how he presented himself to the company he made himself bigger than ring of honor you know what i mean yeah. everybody knew he was leaving he was almost like i'm it's like uh when a celebrity gives you that uh at least i'm i'm late but at least i showed up that's how punk handled his entire last year of ring of
2: honor okay so i feel like that's a total work um i feel like that actually equates to exactly what you were saying about omega being good good because he didn't speak Japanese as a bad guy in New Japan. It's what Foley did in ECW. I don't want to be here. I'm better than you guys. Um, so I feel like I feel like that was a great... If, if you think that Omega, that was a great work for him, then I think that this would go along the same lines of that, that Punk worked the audience, he worked the gimmick, and he worked with uh, Zapolsky to make the best of a situation get more eyes on the show because at any time, any point in time, This guy with your belt could just leave and go to WWE, but he didn't. And he was there, and for a year, he built other stars. Now, he's shaking your head yes. Those people that are listening to the podcast, Will shook his head yes. Will, can you please confirm that you shook your head yes?
0: I'm more so just shaking my head yes, because I I don't want to keep talking about CM Punk on air. I'm so over CM Punk and the elite, and... That's it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put myself in a situation where I have to talk about something that makes me uncomfortable. Mr. Mac. you're not going to do that to me.
2: I, have, I know you I always get
1: have one more CM Punk. <laughs>
0: hey, let's do it. Fine. Talk about CM Punk one more time. What's the question?
1: <laughs> um, so today, however many months after the incident, it was just now Strategically released that Punk's dog was hurt in the incident.
2: Yeah, the door was apparently until slammed. Now to
1: say something,
2: huh? Yeah. yeah, the door was apparently slammed open, and hit. uh What's his name? Lux- Larry. 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 It, isn't it weird that Punk's dog's name is the same name as um uh, Alexa Willis's pig was? Larry the pig. Why do you know that? Because it's Alexa Bliss. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> so. Um, 26
0: minutes and five seconds.
2: It's video. Nobody even knew. Um, so, yeah. So they, they think that's what really sparked the whole punk really, like, wanting to get physical was that possible aspect of it. Um, is it true? Is it not? Who knows? Is it just throwing, you know, smoke on the fire? Or, you know, I, I'm not sure. Nobody's going to know except for the people that were in that room. Uh, the big like contention, from my understand, with this whole buyout situation, is twofold. One, Punk said in the same interview that he hasn't spoken to Tony Khan or AEW since this happened, since the media scrub. And also, AEW side is they're trying to buy out his contract, but the big contention is they want him to do a ninety-day no compete clause, and Punk's not into that, which would lead in the wills speculation. Uh, or Allison saying will speculation of punk going to the rumble.
0: Well, that would be the big thing would be if they gave him a non-compete, if they give him a non-compete, then he, we won't see him until March probably.
2: Yeah. And I don't see punk going to rumble because if you have Cody coming back and punk coming back, that would be like, I don't know, debuting, uh, Moxley, Jericho on the same show or something.
0: Yeah. Or Adam Cole and Brian Danielson, right?
2: Yeah, there you go. That's the one I was trying to get. Um, yeah,
0: no, I think it sucks. I'm all about the dogs. I like, I like the doggos. Uh, don't ever hurt an animal.
2: I love dogs, especially with ketchup. We're... God, you're so stupid. I love you, but you're stupid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have one. Can I go next? Yep. Can I? Yeah. Do we Guess think? Do we think JBL is an upgrade on Raw? Like, he's come on, he's kind of being a mouthpiece for Baron Corbin, he's hanging out at the commentary table, he wipes his feet before he gets in the ring, like, he brings some old-school, like, old-school territory fills back to WWE. Do we think he's an upgrade for the Raw team with him and Baron Corbin together?
1: Does Baron Corbin really need a mouthpiece, though?
0: I think he does, but I think his his talking is the, the weakest point of him.
1: But his talking's not terrible there are others that are far worse but i mean i like the old school feel that he brings in
2: i think jbl will be really strong in the background probably more than the foreground um i think in the foreground the guys in the back should be watching him when he talks to a crowd because he controls them like he was getting that face pop coming out and after like the first sentence he was being booed out of the building and yet it was a cheap it was a cheap heat spot attacking the local team, but he did it well. So I don't know if JBL, the character makes, you know, the impact that a Rock or a Cena um, or a Triple H does when they hit the ring, but he can't do any damage, I think, in the back because he's a lot more mature than what he was back in the day. He's not going to be beating people up, pooping in people's bags or anything like that. But he's going to be <laughs> – I think, I think he could be a locker room leader. And I think not only uh, – his actions in the ring are going to be good for them to study because I know NXT is a great, you know, place to study and learn, but to actually be in front of that huge crowd and do it on national TV. Uh, I think, I think that's going to be big. And I think that's going to be good for WWE. It's kind of, it's kind of like, it's kind of like early WWF back in the early eighties when you had, you know, retiring, um, you know, ringleaders like Mr. Fuji, Captain Lou Albano, Fred Blassie, um, stepping away from their in-ring careers and becoming managers and becoming on on on-screen personas. You know, Bobby Heenan was part of that too. Those mouthpieces that could take bumps and could teach you the psychology of wrestling. And I think JBL is still in tune with all that stuff. And he doesn't, he doesn't need this job. The dude's a millionaire 10 times over. Like he's a stock market genius. Wasn't that his gimmick at one point? Yeah, but it was his, and that's, what, that's the best thing about gimmicks is the guys that take that true persona and multiply it by 10. And JBL was able to do that.
0: Um, I want to use this as a segue to the most recent episode of TN Hot Takes we put out yesterday. It was with Mike Mondo, uh, Mikey from the Spirit Squad. He's a former tag team champion. I, we talked about the Freebird World. Super cool episode. Um, during the episode, I asked him specifically what he thought about working in the WWE locker room during the Ruthless Aggression era because he got called up from OVW around that 05 to 06 range. So he was there after the Ruthless Aggression era had gotten really good and rolling. And one of the things he said was he felt like coming in as an 18, 19, 20 year old kid, he said he felt like some of these old guys, there was a lot of unintentional, like, there was. He was a little bit more eloquent about it, but ultimately, kind of like what you were talking about, Bobby, with JBL and the bags, there was some hazing, they were kind of harder on the young guys. Um, Do you think that this is, we'll start hearing more of this now as these young guys during the Attitude Era and during the Ruthless Aggression Era that are retiring, are we going to start hearing a lot more of this, of the... I don't want to say the toxicity of locker rooms because that's not the case because it's, you know, the whole homage of boys being boys. But do you think we're going to start getting more of these stories from guys
2: that have came through these locker rooms? I hope so. Like, that's how you learn. Um, You know, I know my locker room in high school and college, we hazed each other constantly. We didn't call it hazing. We just called it day-to-day locker room. I was in a fraternity. We called it hazing. (laughs) Yeah, well, as a team, you know, like, I, one time I lost a match and my wrestling team all stood in the hallway, like as I was walking in clapping and then they all formed the hell out of me to the ground and said, dude, we're, we're undefeated. We need you to step up. And they weren't, they weren't hurting me, but I, it hurt like, and I went down on the ground. So, you know, it's, it's tough love. And I, do I think JBL's hazing or Randy Orton's uh, hazing back in the day? Was that tough love? No. But something like the rabid Wolverine, I won't say his other name, the rabid Wolverine kicked the Miz famously out of a locker room for eating chicken above somebody else's bag and dripping the chicken onto the guy's back. And wouldn't let, wouldn't let Miz in the locker room until he apologized. But didn't the guy he, had to go change. Didn't he have to go to the Undertaker
0: and get permission to come back into the locker room? Isn't that the story? That when, yeah. Because he got kicked out and he was changing for his match in the same bathroom that the the patrons were in before they were going to their seats and Mike, the Mrs. is out there changing into his ring gear in the bathroom.
2: Yeah. And you know, that's, that's something that you learn from, you know, and I, I guarantee you, you know, when you talk about, um, I don't remember that skinny guy that was the manager, um, for, uh, Oh, for, uh, Lesnar for a while or not Lesnar. I'm sorry for Lashley for a little bit. Uh, he was mad Leo at Leo Rush. Henry. Yeah. Leo Rush. Cause Mark Henry wanted him to carry his bags. Dude Yeah. It's a it's a sign of respect. Like even in the small part of the business I was in, I carried a couple guys bags because they were the veterans. And it's just what you do. It's like setting up a ring. You know, they ask you to do stuff because you're earning your stripes. And in this business and that's what it is, is a business. You need to earn your stripes. You need to respect your elders and you learn from, them. you know, whether if they're a jobber on WWE TV, that's still better than the main eventer on your local indie show agree to that
0: um allison and i have seen quite a few indie shows over the last year and a half and you can tell when you see somebody work who you know has been in the show and been on tv versus somebody who's only ever worked indies you can tell it in their timing you can tell it in their conditioning the way their matches run and there's nothing wrong with indie guys people know i love the indies 90% 90% of what I watch is the indies. I don't watch live WWE or AEW unless I need to for something. Uh, but I do watch a lot of IWTV because I like indie wrestling. But there is a huge difference in the layers of indie wrestling that you have. The guys who start in the smaller promotions, then you'll get into like that mid-tier. Then you'll start getting into your Limitless and your GCWs and stuff like that. And then you get into your MLWs and then your Ring of Honors and stuff. You see what I mean? So there's like levels to it. And I feel like you can tell the guys that have paid the bills and kept the lights on by wrestling when you see them work. You can tell in their gear. You can tell in their timing. You can tell by their presentation. They look like pro wrestlers. And I feel like that's one of the takeaways that I can feel on the indie circuit, specifically, is if these guys don't take the time to look like a pro wrestler then they won't ever come across as one yeah i
2: remember you know les snatcher one time was you know giving me some pointers because we were on we did a weekend show so it was like three three nights in a row and i did commentating one night and ring announcing the next day he said something to me about hey you know you should do this or that and i was like well you know my local promoter in tennessee always tells me to do this or that he goes okay well you want to listen to your local promoter that's never made it? Or do you want to listen to me who's been on national television, um, you know, with the National Wrestling Alliance, with uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling under Jim Cornette? Um, So you decide which one you want to do. And right away, the light bulb snapped. And I was like, yes, sir. I was like, tell me that one more time. And then when I went back to my Tennessee promoter, he didn't like that style. So I did switch over for him because, you know what, sometimes you just got to work for what your boss wants. But any show I did outside of that promotion, I did less than
0: somebody, Mike said the same thing on my show yesterday, on the show yesterday. I'm sorry, I keep saying that. I am messing up tonight, guys. I'm all over the place. I apologize ahead of time. Now my phone's making noise. Like, I'm haunted. Like, this is a weird episode. Like, weird. It's our Halloween episode. Ooh. Ooh. What would it be called? Botch spots and spooky shots? Botch spots and boo shots? boo shouts boo boo it's just booby goes
2: i have no idea what Um, i'm doing guys what what were you saying
0: (laughs) (laughs) this Uh, episode is
2: rated w for what is will saying
0: (laughs) allison get it back on the rails please give us something to talk about will you stop saying rails maybe that was my problem Shut up, Bobby. Allison, do your job, please. Save the episode. <laughs> um,
1: The Rock's daughter debuted on NXT. She was the red hoodie. Her name is Ava Rain. Um, and now we're getting all kinds of memes about how, uh, how, what kind of parent would let their daughter join a cult?
0: I think it's awesome. One, I think it's a hilarious. I I think it's awesome that she chose to go this route versus just allowing herself to be based off of her name alone. She Mm -hmm. probably could have just gone straight to the show and been like, I want to be on the main roster. I want to go straight to the bloodline. My dad is Dwayne Johnson and that's all it should have taken. But she did it the right way. She went and trained. She went to school. She went to the PC. She worked her way up through developmental. She got on NXT. So mad props for not riding Daddy's Coattails. She oh, did yeah. a lot with her cousin,
2: yeah. Nia Jax.
0: Oh, wow. You want to go there? I think my if favorite Nia Jax... Jack- oh, what the Reigns
2: is cooking. The rains. That's her name, right? Reigns?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Ava Rains. Rain,
1: Rain. R A I N E. Oh man, I was way off.
2: My fault. You wanna know yeah. mute me? Do you even watch wrestling? I try not to. We start. I'm looking, at the... I'm looking at this crown rule lineup and I'm like or crown jewel lineup and I'm like wow. <laughs> the crown rules lineup. Um yeah. do you
0: really did you know there's betting odds that Logan's gonna take the strap off of Roman?
2: Dude, you can bet on anything and everything nowadays. Like like you can bet how many times this show is gonna go off the rails this week. God, Bobby, I love you. Uh silence is always really good for a podcast. Let's not do that again.
0: (laughs) Allison, please say a topic.
1: (laughs) You did say a topic and y'all fucked it
2: up. Yeah, I think I I think I think her coming in, she's doing it the right way. Um, you know, she's not a big wimp. Like I could say that um the Foley daughter is the other half of the rock and sock connection, which wouldn't be cool if no Noel came back and they could form a tag team together for at least one shot. Um, you know, I think she, she's doing it right. She's got it in her blood. She loves her family. Uh, from what I understand she has a really big connection with her grandmother as well. And that's, you know, one of her driving forces. So, um, you know, I good for her uh, third generation or fourth four. generation. Four. Yeah, four-
1: she is the first fourth generation wrestler in wrestling history.
0: Bobby's okay. racking his
2: brain. Uh, that's got to
0: be false.
1: Or at least in WWE.
0: Uh, Randy Orton's a third generation. Uh, Randy Macho Man, Savage. Randy Poffo was a third, second generation. Yeah. Um, um, I'm Charles
2: right. Second. Uh, Tessa, Tessa Blanchard is third. She's third. He's third. Uh, let's see. DiBiase was a third generation. DiBiase Jr., I mean. You can uh, just
1: say I'm right.
2: Hold on. What about uh, no? What about um? I like this. Oh, game. Well, what about the Usos. The Usos' Us- dad was
0: Rikishi, which would be two. Rikishi's dad was three, and, and then if you
2: would technically line them up with um, what's his name? Uh, Rock's grandfather, the High I Chief
0: Rocky Maivia.
2: That would be four, but then but that would actually make Reigns five. I mean, no, yeah, Reigns.
0: No, Reigns is on the same level as uh. No. The new Reigns. Rocks Reigns. Oh, Ava Reigns would be on the same level as... Maybe. No, no, she would be four.
1: She's the only fourth generation wrestler.
0: Boom. Listen to the lady, Bob.
1: I did my research.
0: I think that it's awesome. Like I said, I'm glad that she's not riding the Rocks coattails. I'm glad she's taking care of it herself. I'm glad she's going through the
2: motions and showing her worth. But now that I'm saying it out loud, why did she take the name Reigns when her... Cousins. Differently. Her other cousin's name is Reigns. It's
1: spelled differently. And it's Rain.
2: There's not, not an S at the it's Ava Rain,
0: Bobby. Once again, I reiterate the fact I'm pretty sure you don't watch wrestling.
2: I don't. I saw this on Twitter. <laughs> oh
1: Lord. Okay, here's the funny. Yeah. Um, police in Temple, Texas, are looking for an armed robbery suspect who is wearing a replica WWE title belt upside down, like The Miz. The man is seen on security footage wearing a blue long sleeve Nike shirt, glasses, no shoes, and the upside-down replica WWE title belt.
2: I never go anywhere without my yellow shoes, so not me. <sighs>
0: Um, I like cardigans and I like shoes, but, uh, I mean, I could imagine like, I'm trying to think about in my head, how he would justify wearing his replica title
1: upside down, like the myth.
0: Yeah. For a theft. Like there would have to be a reason why.
1: Armed robbery.
0: Yeah. I just can't think about it. It would have been even better if he had done an armed robbery and he was going Ric Flair style, where he's just wearing the belt and his robe and that's it. And he, you Balloon. know... <laughs>
2: Balloon tied to Space Mountain.
0: God. Space Mountain. You know I've never been to Disney. What?
2: Yeah. Not once. Oh are you trying to get the sympathy vote here what i'm Ladies saying and gentlemen, is, what follow bill on tiktok he's never been to disney let's get him up to ten thousand followers so we can get him to disney world
0: dude you know what I, I could do something really bad here and it would be really out of sorts and nope. really out of character no nope. oh can i say it allison can nope. i say it please no okay i won't say it
1: well, whatever do what you want i don't control you
0: i have cancer you could send me send me to Disney. I have cancer, Bobby, f- fly me to Disney. Uh no. Oh, fuck you, Bobby. I, I got to talk to Jimmy Hart. Let me ask you a question. Jimmy Hart called me naked because of you All right, here's my here's my question <laughs> for you, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you an option between two people. Hold on, let me read this fun fact. Fun fact, the Maivia and Anawai families are not related by blood. Rox and Roman's grandfathers were best friends and called each other honorary family because they were as close as blood brothers could be. Actually, Bam, I'm going to chime in there because we did an episode with RN. Uh, it was our Smacked Raw debut towards the end of season one of Botch, Bots, and Share Shots. And we did, who is the first family of wrestling? We talked about the Anawai family versus the Heart Foundation. And we discussed the fact that The Rock's grandfather and Roman's grandfathers were Samoan blood brothers, which is a real life, like Samoan bond. Um, And when I researched it, like that's a real life thing. Like they take that stuff as seriously as families. Like it's a, when they say they were blood brothers, like that was an actual thing they did. So uh, I give props to that. So a lot of people say that The Rock shouldn't be technically part of the bloodline. But if you think about the fact that the high chief Rocky Mayavia was the patriarch of the of the Ana family, even though he was a Mayavia, that's the uh, the confusing anecdote for all of that.
2: Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, Roman is actually the Usos' uncle. He's uh, no, they're cousins.
1: They're cousins.
2: I mm-hmm. uh, want to double check that because I believe that he is actually the brother of their father. No. That would no, I think they're cousins.
1: They're Listen, I I
2: know I know you people in Tennessee want everybody to be your cousins. That's not that true they... at all, sir.
1: First of all, Bobby, aren't you like actually from like Virginia or some shit?
0: And you know what they say about people from Virginia? We wish we wish we could be like them. <laughs> uh actually I don't know what they say about people from Virginia, but I
2: felt like that was a good thing to say on air. I know that people in West Virginia, they say have two, uh, one of their legs are uneven because that's how they walk in the mountains. Didn't, straight.
0: didn't we have a conversation one night on air about the wild and wonderful Wests of West Virginia?
2: Yes, we did.
0: That's what I thought. That was a thing. Um, let me ask you a question real quick, why Allison does some research so she can prove me right. I'm going to give you the option between two incredibly monotoned light heavyweights, and I want you to pick between the two of them and tell me why, okay? Option A is the former Ring of Honor pure wrestling champion and member of the Blackpool Combat Club, Wheeler Yuta, Or, he is a NXT Triple Crown champion, two times North American champion, two times NXT champion, Johnny Wrestling Gargano. Which one of the monotone light heavyweights
2: are you going to pick? I'd have to go Gargano only because I know of him more than I do Wheeler. Um, Neither one of them excite me. I've seen Wheeler in a couple matches. Uh, Gargano, I agree again with that Southern uh, manager with the podcast from Tennessee that everybody calls old um, and out of touch. That uh, Gargano is just—he's boring. Like this week, this week he tried to do a lot to be entertaining, and I also feel this week was probably the worst episode of Raw in the Triple H era. And it featured Gargano in, what, I think three skits or four skits. Uh, You're not a fan of Johnny Whistleblower? No. No. And his wife is just as bad. Um, she's she's a good-looking lady. I wish them nothing but luck in their marriage and their family. But I don't need to watch them on TV. I've said a long time that Candace LeRae was the better worker of those two. Uh,
0: when she was in MLW and PWG, she wrestled regularly in... Uh, matches against men, she held the PWG tag team titles and defended them against two men um, by herself in a handicap match and successfully defended her titles. And yes, I know it's a work, but for a woman to carry a match in a handicap hardcore match the way she did speaks for itself. She's a good worker. And I said that Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole both had this problem and I got a lot of heat for it but now in 2022 i think it rings true more than ever that Candace LeRae and Britt Baker are the two better workers in those relationships between Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole
2: um i would say Cole now in the past year yes that Baker is better than him um, Cole has lost a lot since he left uh, NXT like he he's lost body weight like it honestly it looks like the guy is sick like and i i don't wish that on him at all but he lost muscle he just looked. He lost drive for this business. Um, so yeah. So I would definitely say that uh, Baker at this point is the better worker. Uh, and Gargano, yeah, I'd say Candice LeRae is better better than him as well. Uh, it also might be, you know, she's being put against opponents that are better than she is, and I think they bring the best out of her. Where Gargano, I think he's got the same thing as the elite that he thinks that he's better than them, and he works down instead of working up to people that. In most cases are actually better than him. Look
0: at Candace LeRae's upset over Bailey. That's gonna ring so that's gonna be such a big win for her. And uh Kyle said it on the rewind, I believe. But it's it rings the true point here is that when Bayley inevitably becomes the Raw Women's Championship, that upset victory that Candace LeRae had on Bayley is going to mean 10 times what it meant before solely because she got a win over one of the biggest female stars in the business. Didn't
2: Bayley win the championship this week?
0: No, it was non-title. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, was, no, no, no. She lost. she got a win over the champion, but it was a non-title match. That was the whole whoop to do towards the end. Um, right.
2: Cole told, got a, told, ben,
0: Bema says Cole got around his elite friends and forgot
2: how to work. Yep, I agree, one hundred percent. He was riding their coattails. He's part of their friends. They don't have to do anything anymore, and that's what he pretty much fell off. Was hey, you know what? I'm I'm protected at this point, and I'm looking at the family tree right now. I know that's why Allison's taking so long because she's probably trying to find other family trees. But um, if you look, Roman Reigns is the son of Sika. He's the brother of Rosie, superhero in training, who are the cousins of Yokozuna and Black Pearl. And then if you look underneath that, then you've got the next group of Samu, Amanu, uh, L.A. Smooth, and Gary Albright, whoever that is. And then uh, Jimmy and Jay. <laughs> the long last Anna Wye brother, Gary Albright.
1: <laughs> They're cousins.
2: Yeah. I'm not going to argue with you guys on the air. i You're thought wrong. That- I'm looking at the family tree right now. He's He's cousins. Roman Reigns is his cousin with Rosie, Yokozuna, Black Pearl, Tama Tonga, who's the Tonga kid, mm-hmm. Umaga, and Rikishi.
0: Yeah, they
2: all had children after that. Mm-hmm. That are Jimmy and Jay. Uh, LA, again, La Smooth, Manu, and Samu. Who's Who's Roman's dad? Roman's dad
0: is Sika, and Sika and is at the same level of lineage as Rikishi. No. Is, is Roman at the same level on the lineage as Rikishi, then? That is correct. Okay, then that would make Roman their uncle, then, because Rikishi, it would make, no, it would make Rikishi Roman's cousin, which would make the Usos his second cousin by marriage. Boop,
1: boop, boop suck it, 23 and me. You're wrong, Bobby.
0: Yeah. Ooh, I did my research, too, motherfucker.
2: Oh, yeah, I guess that would be right. But Tom Tomataka. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Fuck but he's you. On the Show's over. Now as we close another episode of Bodge and Cheer Shots. <laughs> Listen, ladies, all this proves is Tennessee and Alabama people all know cousins and cousin-laws. I don't care.
0: Better. All I know is go Falls. Fuck Alabama. Except for Bama. I like Bama. He's a good guy.
2: That's
0: rude. That's rude. You're up, Miss Siegel. Let's roll.
1: the oh, fuck am I? Um,
0: <laughs> where are we at all? <laughs>
1: um, Hell in a Cell pay-per-view is considered to be completely dead now, so they will no longer have Thank Hell good. in Cell. What do you think should be done with it? Should they replace it with another pay-per-view or just have less?
0: Just go less. I love the nine pay-per-view schedule. I think that's awesome. That gives us a pay-per-view every roughly... There's 52 weeks in a year. So that gives us roughly a pay-per-view almost every six weeks, which gives us a month and a half build. So that's four to five episodes of Raw, four to five episodes of SmackDown between every pay-per-view, which is versus the four to... They do one a month right now, right? That's the schedule.
1: It's like one every six weeks.
0: So nine a year, what are they... If that would just still be one every six weeks...
2: What is a pay-per-view? You guys are so, I'm so lost. Oh, wait, wait, uh, sorry, sorry. You,
1: forget, you the, forget that Crown Jewel and um, what's the other thing? Uh, <laughs> um,
0: Clash at the Castle?
1: No, the last the one.
2: Language does not work very well on a podcast.
0: Um, It was Crown Jewel and it was...
1: What was the one
0: we just watched? <laughs> oh, the European one? No, no. the pay-per-view okay. we just watched. God, weird! Terrible at this. It was Halloween Havoc.
1: <laughs> no, before Halloween Havoc.
0: Extreme Rules.
1: That's it. Um, you, uh, Extreme Rules and um, and Crown Jewel are like right there together. Like they're within a couple of weeks of each other. So that's how the math works.
2: Oh, okay. You do a premium live event that's in another country. That's not one of your big ones. I think that it. I think that one's special. I, I don't think that one should count. As part of your normal rotation, I wasn't
1: counting Clash the Castle.
2: Um, that they have nine pay per view scheduled for
0: 2023, two of which are overseas. One is in the UK and it's just labeled UK Premium Live Event, and the other is Crown Jewel for Cardiff. Well, or the uh, the Riyadh, Saudi Arabia show. So if you take those two out of the equation, math says that's seven. Um, Tennessee math and if we look at the 7 week schedule then yeah that gives us a build of at least 6 to 7 weeks between each premium live event and I think what that does is it gives us the opportunity for this thing in professional wrestling my people that's called long term storytelling
2: no it's a thing when was the last last premium live event Saturday Halloween Havoc and and Crown Jewel is this week
0: Crown Jewel is November 5th the next week uh, November 5th is 10 days before my birthday It
1: is in 9 days
2: 9 days okay. Thanks uh, for those of you that didn't know Will's birthday trying to do the math on the calendar um, I think I think it'd be nice like if they could build To these shows you know a lot better Than what they're doing you know the old Formula and the AEW formula Of every three months I think is a really sweet Number because um, that old Formula is once the blow off match happened At the premium live event slash paid review. Then it was immediately going on to the next one, and it wasn't a rematch. Usually it was a new feud. So I do look forward to that aspect. I'm more excited, though, the fact that they're not using this pay-per-view model, uh, Hell in a Cell, for the pay-per-view. Because Royal Rumble, I still accept a gimmick match for that pay-per-view because that's not a bill to blow off feud. Like, that's not a blood feud. Hell in a Cell is the ending of a blood feud. So I think Hell in a Cell coming up sporadically when a feud demands it, is a lot more important to the match, and a lot more important. Like that's gonna that's gonna be a match that sells a card instead of a card that sells the match. You know what I mean? Like, or a, an event name that sells the match. So that's why I'm excited.
1: Can I say something probably real terrible, but kind of funny? Please do. What if? Uh uh-huh. We combine. Hell in a Cell and Royal Rumble, and it's a Royal Rumble in a Cell.
2: So the NWA, NWA mm-hmm. actually did that with the Bunkhouse Stampede. I was about to they, bring that up, Bobby. Thank you. It did a blow-off of the 1986 Bunkhouse Stampede, which was an event that was during the entire Great American Bash. It's an over-the-top battle royal. Uh, it's a come-as-you-are battle royal. So people would come in wearing their cowboy boots, their jeans, stuff like that. Dusty Rhodes obviously won it because he was the booker. Um and the last match was a over-the-top cage battle royal that Dusty Rhodes beat Big Bubba Rogers, the future Hall of Famer, Big Boss Man, Ray Trailer, in the final match. And Bunkhouse Stampede actually had a really cool concept because they counted each Stampede match that you won, and you had to win a certain number to get into the final one. So the guys that lost immediately in the first uh, you know, ones or whatever, they weren't invited to the final one. But... Really cool concept, interesting. Um, just I don't know the believability even back then of you've got to get a guy on the top rope and then lift them over the top of the cage. Not a concept I think that would work in WWE because cage that matches. Be funny. Yeah, but cage matches in WWE are typically won by somebody escaping the cage. I and know. now you're now you're saying you got to reverse it to where you've got to get thrown out of the cage.
1: Should be funny.
0: Here's my thing. Um, one, to me, the Royal Rumble is sacred. Uh, it's my favorite of the big four uh, between Mania, Survivor Series, SummerSlam, and Royal Rumble. I think the Rumble is my favorite event of the year. Uh, we will do something cool building up to it. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm really excited about the Rumble. I don't think they need to change that, but I do want to echo what Bobby <laughs> said about how important it is having Hell in a Cell be its own standalone thing. Uh, I'm going to give Bama a shout out. He says, Royal Rumble, Elimination Chamber, Mania, Backlash, King of the Ring, SummerSlam, the UK Premium Live Event, Crown Jewel Survivor Series, and a Christmas special at MSG Book It Hunter. And uh, I think he's saying all, all those concepts in one match. Oh, no, let's say. <laughs> the Royal Rumble oh. added Could you imagine uh, okay. Could you imagine Elimination Chamber, but instead of one wrestler at a time, they release pods of like four or five guys into the match at once.
2: But it's the King of the Rings, so it has to be a tournament too. So you'd have to have multiples of these
0: throughout the night. No, you do it like the G one over thirty days. You see what I mean? And you do these massive gimmick matches over thirty days, they wouldn't have a roster at the end of it. They would
2: all kill themselves. Jim, I think we might have another topic for your uh, next show.
1: <laughs> I think that WrestleMania Backlash is a waste of a premium live event.
0: I completely agree. I think anything that is a blow-off pay-per-view shouldn't be in the cycle. Um, I think they all need to mean something. So if we're just going to get WrestleMania Part 2, which was, and let's be honest, WrestleMania Night 1 last year was phenomenal. WrestleMania night two was good, not great. And then WrestleMania backlash was just the best parts of both of those nights put together. So WrestleMania backlash showed that they could have done WrestleMania in one night and been okay. They could have taken the best matches from
2: both nights and gotten away with it. I think where backlash came from was a good idea because they were different stipulations. It It was a rematch card. It felt different though. When you title something Wrestlemania Backlash, Wrestlemania Raw, Wrestlemania Smackdown. The Backlash, the, that, greatest rest, the greatest wrestling
0: match of all time when they did that with Edge and Orton during the pandemic.
2: Yeah, I feel like it bastardizes the name Wrestlemania and it makes Wrestlemania feel less special. It's like bowl
0: games in college football. If there's 86 bowl games and 100 different teams make it now, like they don't feel like they're that important anymore.
2: Um, listen, when you haven't made a bowl game in like three years, it is important. It's, it's real to me, man.
0: I'm just gonna say that this was the first time in in my fandom that I was able to post on Facebook that Tennessee beat Alabama. So that's a big deal for me. It's been that yeah, long. This since... is
1: a wrestling show, not a football show.
0: Hey, we're t- it's anything goes. We can talk about whatever the fuck Don't we want. Just kidding. <laughs> um. Bobby, did you bring anything to talk about tonight? Did you do any homework? I have more things. Okay. Well, I was going to give Mr. Mack a chance to talk. So I sent
2: you guys a text yesterday. Which one? About Vince McMahon. Yeah. And what are I your thoughts? It? What are your thoughts, and what do you think? Really led to him choosing Paul Hogan? I think is a no brainer. Yeah. Choosing Roddy Piper mm-hmm. as the heel to ride his company and bring it to the national spotlight with his superhero. These guys had never worked together before. Piper was a um, guy from the West in Portland. Uh, Hogan was a Minneapolis guy, a Florida guy. He's putting everything he has, he has invented McMahon, man into these two, two people. Hogan, bigger than life, 24 inch pythons, everything else. Roddy Piper, a virtual unknown, unless you're on the West Coast in Portland or in uh Crockett's NWA. Why do you put those two against each other? I'm gonna uh,
0: another callback to an episode you and I did with Ted the Hillbilly Hill, one of our brothers on the SmackDraw Podcast Network. Um, in that episode, I said that Rowdy Roddy Piper was one of the most underappreciated hills in the territories. And you and Ted gave me a lot of flack for it. And I had to explain that I meant in portland he got over super over but he was never the nwa world champion when he went to uh mid or was after that he went to Crocket. crockett yeah he was but when he first went to crockett he was an interviewer and stuff like that he didn't initially even go into in-ring work so even then they weren't appreciating what he could do as a hill he didn't truly come out and show his true colors as the max wrestling hill that he could be until wwe gave him the chance vince was the first person to see what rowdy roddy piper could truly be and allowed him to turn it up to 11. <coughs> so was it
2: wasn't wasn't piper who do you think could have or if anyone would have been able to do that first big feud you know because you got to remember this is mtv this is the birth of mtv this is the birth of rock and wrestling this is the hulk hogan cartoon like this is This is Vince taking this company from his dad um, and really shooting to the moon and doing what his dad didn't want to do by going national. So is there somebody else that could have been in Piper's shoes to go against Hogan and make the company as successful as what it is today? You can tell me because this is a
0: little bit, you and I, we'll dive into the 80s here, but was this around the initial time that Vince was, the rumors came out of him trying to get Flair to jump ship?
2: Yeah, so he bought WWE in '82 from his dad. Promised not to go national. His dad died in late '83. Eighty? No, I'm sorry. '84. It was '84 that he died, and then that's when he really just like turned it up and went after everybody. When was like,
0: when was Black after, Saturday? Do you remember?
2: Black Saturday on TBS, uh, I believe, was in '85. Because uh, that was... and that's.
0: That was what happened after his dad died because after his dad died, um, he w- That's when he bought out the remaining territories of uh, Georgia bought- Champion, Georgia Championship Wrestling. He bought everything that was remainder of GC- uh, GCW, and he took all of that talent. And he did the same thing with versions of FCW as well because he bought different a few of the territories that were in Florida after the NWA had to absorb. Because the NWA went from being at what at the biggest twenty seven territories or something like that.
2: Um, yeah, George was one of their biggest territories, and that's that's what brought him the Briscoes.
0: Yeah, uh, and that's what he had to do. He literally to get it was the Briscoes, and was uh, Big Bubba Rogers down there still then, or had he already moved to Crockett?
2: No, Bubba hadn't even started. Bubba was in eighty. Bubba, when did he debut? Did, in
0: the he was in the mid eighties.
2: Eighty six on TV as a jobber. Uh, Black uh, guess-
0: Saturday was July 14th, 1984, so it was almost a full year after Vince McMahon Sr. died, uh, which I will find out right now for us.
2: Yeah, and then they said that that famously, the million dollars that Crockett paid for that TV is what funded WrestleMania.
0: Correct, um, which was the McMahon's call to Starcade, the first pay-per-view. Then Bunkhouse Stampede... Uh, No, it was, they did, they did WrestleMania to answer Starrcade. Then they put Survivor Series against Starrcade in Thanksgiving weekend.
2: Yeah, that was, uh, WrestleMania four. Uh, yeah, that was after WrestleMania four. So, um, yeah, so that's that's when that's when McMahon really went for the jugular. So like,
0: Vince McMahon Sr. died in May twenty fourth of nineteen eighty four, and Black Saturday was July of nineteen eighty four. So he had his old man in the dirt for ninety days before he did exactly what he said he wasn't going to do and bought out the remaining territories that Crockett couldn't buy
2: when the NWA did that buyout. Yeah, yeah. So so do you think that there's anybody other than Piper? that could have taken that role, like been the cartoon character, been the foil on MTV against Cyndi Lauper, been Hulk Hogan's foil, and what really, Will, you've said it a little bit, attracted you to Piper um, against Hogan? Uh,
0: I think one of the biggest things to remember about Piper uh, was that Rowdy Rowdy Piper was one of the best talkers in the game at that point. He was also one of the biggest in-ring workers. Hogan, once again, I reiterate the fact, I like how you've swindled your way into speaking about Hogan two weeks in a row now on the show. Um, I think Hogan's biggest thing was Piper was able to compliment Hogan well because Piper was a good in-ring worker. Um, You got to think about the time where you're at in WWE uh, history where you've got some guys that could carry that flame, but you don't have anybody as bad Big as Piper. You've got Paul Orndorff, Mr. Wonderful.
2: Who should have been really the guy to rest,
0: uh, be the headliner at WrestleMania 2 against Hogan. You've got Don Morocco, but he was a little bit late to the game there. He was getting ready to leave the territory. Uh, Ted DiBiase was also towards the top, but he wasn't quite main event stature yet, so you've got to reach right. to the point. Did they build enough of these cartoon-like characters that they had of Hogan? Had they built enough heels to That could be the yin to his yank.
2: Well, that was the thing is like they were bringing guys in from territories at this point. They didn't have much time to even like build at that at that time. Like you know guys like Missing Link, Greg the Hammer Valentine, um, you know even like a Brutus Beefcake, uh, they were all coming in Orndorff. They'd all come in from the NWA in these different territories. Like Vince got Hogan in late '83 and he just shot the rocket on January fourth, January 24th of '84 and gave him the belt. And as, you know, you talk about John Studs or King Kong Bundy's, um, you know, all these other guys, they didn't like there was no build at that point in time. Like uh, McMahon was building them on TV in the interview segments, uh, you know, that late night show that he had, you know, on Mondays and stuff like that, like uh, TNT Titans. Um, So Piper just came in with a ball of fire. One of the unique things, though, is this is a heel that came in that did not lose when he lost. It was never clean. He, Hogan didn't pin him until WCW. Like, that was Piper's first clean loss to Hogan. Well, was that w- was the. This will
0: be a good segue to talk about what's going on in AEW right now with the William Regal stuff, because I want to kind of ask your opinion on that, because everything right now is leaning towards this. Regal is grooming MJF to become part of. I'm going to say I see a turn happening where Regal leaves the Blackpool Combat Club. And him and MJF are going to become a pair. Um, And I see this as like Regal is kind of grooming MJF to be the best heel in wrestling. Like he's already the best heel in wrestling. Now he's going to have one of the best heels ever to do it, teaching him how to be the best heel ever. And I think that's a good story. But also at the same time, he's got this huge pop and love from the fans. So I guess my question is from you can a person be the most over person in a company but also still be the top heel?
2: Yes, most definitely. Uh, I would say look at the NWO era. Uh, you had the the NWO, uh, the, the three originals as heels and faces. Correct. Uh, if you look in uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, when he turned face with the Adrian Adonis feud, he was still the number one heel and the number one face on one of the ratings because it happened during that week um other you know flare back and forth uh heel and face depending on who you talk to so i think it could happen i was listening to a podcast from england um that's on like daily uh, they do podcast and youtube i'm not putting them over like taco bell with really great tacos um but no free shout with out. That, yeah they were saying you know what they were thinking was jb or uh, jbl um mjf goes to put on the ring And Regal stops him. And instead, when Regal takes the ring, he hands him the brass knucks Mm. instead. And that's how he knocks out
0: Moxley. I think that would be a great turn. Because we already see the foreshadowing coming in of the whole, do I want to take like, do I want to take the, the ring off? I'm not going to use it. I'm going to be the good guy and do it the right way. But we know that's just foreshadowing to when we get to to full gear and they go at it and he's going to pull the ring out and it's going to be that. Do I do it? Do I not do it? It's going to be that good versus evil mentality, but I think it's well-written and that will be the rub that MJF needs right before he wins the title.
2: Yeah, I think exactly. Like, and that's, um, You know, last night with that uh, interview with MJF and Renee, he was going back. And then one of the things he said during that interview was, don't forget, I'm MJF. Like, I want to win straight, but I'm MJF. And I think that was very telling of where it should go. And I don't think that MJF wants to be a face. I don't think he wants to be cheered. Like, if he gets the cheers, he's going to take them naturally. But a lot like Stone Cold Steve Austin is – He's not going to change who he is. And he's going to sell just as much merch, (laughs) if not more. And another thing is, I don't know if MJF needs to be the champion. A lot like Austin. Like, I think he's a better chaser than a champion. But I think that that could be proved wrong. I think Dr. Pepper's a great chaser.
0: Do
2: you have a chaser with your whiskey?
0: You've got problems. I don't chase my whiskey, Bobby. You know that.
2: Depends on who's holding
0: it. Miss <laughs> Siegel, you're up.
1: <clears throat> um, the PWI Women's One Hundred and Fifty was released today. Bobby, you look perplexed by this. Yeah, I
2: didn't know there was one hundred and fifty female wrestlers.
0: God, I hate you so hard. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just jump into this, and I say Taya Valkyrie being number 10 is some crock. I think Taya is one of the top five women's workers right now in the world. Um, who got the top spot? I didn't actually see the whole top it's 10. A,
1: is it Yoshi or Josie, for, uh, wrestler? The She's Japanese. Yeah, the Yoshi
0: what? guys. Um, I I don't know the names. Her oh, name she- is Shirai, sure.
1: Shirai. Who is yeah. that two?
0: Shut up, Bobby. Who was the? I don't want to say the top ranked in WWE or AEW. Where was the top WWE woman ranked? So Bianca number Becky. two,
1: number two, Bianca Belair. Uh-huh. Thunder Rosa was three. Becky's four. Jade is five.
0: I think uh, it's weird that Becky is four when she wrestled less than. She came back at SummerSlam last year. So in a year, and then she was gone again.
2: This I. Li- my mind on that one i was gonna say the same thing you know what i mean 70s, like
1: i'm gonna call out like the stand you know the standouts um jordan grace was six
0: awesome she should have been top five i would charlotte
1: have is eight uh taya was 10 brit baker's 13 uh masha slamovich 14 mickey james 15
2: what about that? Uh, she jumped like 130 spots Liv last-
1: morgan is 17th and that's she should be much lower Rhonda is 18th diana is 19th i can't believe ronda is so high
0: i think Deanna uh, should be higher diana is another one of those people from the knockouts division that's killing it that doesn't get enough praise
1: yeah mandy rose is 21 tony storm is 25 Sasha, Mandy Rose
0: is doing the best work of her life right now. That girl deserves that spot.
1: Sasha Banks is 26. Uh, Mercedes Martinez, 28.
0: I think Mandy should be hired.
1: I, d- I think so, too. I also want to take uh, this
0: moment in uh, the episode to do the weekly rendition of I'm Still Pissed That Sasha and Naomi Aren't On Our TV.
1: Yeah.
0: Dude, did you see them at the Marvel premiere? Uh, I did. And they also, I never mind, it's on Allison's list. I'll, I'll let her get to it. Did you see who was in the background? Uh, no. The back person in the center was Big E, dancing. Oh, yeah. Uh, Xavier Woods did an interview. I
1: hate you, Bobby. Uh,
0: Xavier Woods did an interview and said that Big E is up and mobile. He is on rollerblades and stuff and working out. He's very limited with his lifting and stuff, but he's he's back on his feet again. So, I mean, the good news is the man is going. You know, like that's that's better than anything. Big props to E for coming back from a major, scary, like life-threatening injury. Just call it what it is—not just career, but to see him having such a good
2: recovery time. Like, I'm excited for that. Oh, can you save this for Allison, please? What? It's, it's her segment. She wants to talk about that. Oh, no. She, no is that not no, on your list? Fine.
1: I just want. It's fine. Y'all already talked about
0: it. The Big E thing. Yeah oh i'm sorry
2: man you're so rude shut up bobby <laughs> hey who's a uh, number 102
1: hold on i'm only calling out like the people we care about that sounds really bad but you know what i mean <laughs> um roxana perez was 36
0: also a good one
1: willow is 40
0: fantastic ria was 42 i think that's way too low
1: Rhea's Naomi, depth. yeah. Naomi, 47. Yeah. Gigi
2: Dolan, 48. I think she's say she Rhea, for the year. Rhea for the year, 42 is pretty good. If Rhea would have had this run the entire year, then yeah, I'd, I'd say top five.
1: Um, Hang on, I think I missed one.
2: She did um, have that really
0: nonsensical tag team run in the middle of last year.
1: Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh, uh, um...
2: I'm scrolling. Deer, 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 deer.
1: Ruby Soho is sixty.
0: Uh, I think Ruby Soho looks great for sixty. If that's the case,
2: yeah. Like,
1: um, let's see. Um, Oscar, sixty-one. Rosemary sixty-six.
2: Um, there are so many Japanese names on this list.
1: There is. Chelsea Green, 75, Athena, 76, Serena Deeb, 77, Natalia, 81. Natalia Cor- shouldn't be on
0: that list. <laughs> no.
1: Cora Jade is 83, Raquel Rodriguez, 85.
0: That's That seems okay.
1: Uh, Dana Brooke, 88, Shayna Baszler, 94. Um, drop 97.
0: Also too low.
1: Kira, Kira Hogan, 100. Well, it's also based on a certain time period.
0: Katie Ow. was talking about it. Like do, you had we,
2: to- do we need to keep talking about Hogan? Can we just move on from Hogan? <laughs> Kira Hogan, I get it. That's funny.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Huh. Silence. This is a podcast. Uh, Anna oh. J
1: 103. Um, Nikki Ash, 109. Uh, we, don't have to, we
0: don't have to go through the whole 150 at this point. I think that um, the big takeaway is PWI botched the shit out of this because they've got people that shouldn't be as high as they are, and then they've got people that should be in the top 20 in their 90s. Like, I don't know. Are you guys under the impression that PWI is all a work? It shouldn't matter anyways, or do you
2: think? It's not a work. Like, that's why, one, there's all these Japanese names on there because they're, they're trying to appeal to the Smart Mark fan. Uh, hey, that's number me. Two, yeah, well, number two, a lot of this is, like any of the indie people on there, or these Japanese people, they're the ones that are kissing the uh, editor's asses, and that's why they're getting on the list. <clears throat> Liv Morgan, I will say I'll give her props, because she has improved a lot this year. Yes, she's not great. Yes, she's probably not top 20, but she did jump like 130 spots from last year. So props to her for working hard and they're at least letting her like they're, they're watching her work. Um, Bianca Belair, somebody I'm not a big fan of um, Knoxville based and born raised, all that kind of good stuff. I think she's overrated and overhyped, but for her to be the biggest name that worldwide name that everybody's going to know, good props for her. Becky Lynch. I I think they're again, PWI just showing their bias towards it's almost like, okay, well, who's the who, who of WWE that we know and people are going to know. and, Here's that name. You know, Charlotte, here's that name. Becky's been part-time this year. Charlotte's been part-time this year. Sasha's been less than part-time this year. Um, but yet they're still all part of that top 25. Sasha just missing it being 26. So that's my take on the PWI uh top 150, 500 whatever it is any anymore. Um
1: the time to- the evaluation period is October 1st, 2021 to note to September 15th, 2022. Um it's based upon in-ring achievements, influence on the sport slash promotion, technical ability, quality of competition, and activity. Uh, so a minimum of ten matches or six months with at least one match in each during the evaluation period to qualify for rankings.
2: What's the true definition of influence? Because if I look social at
1: social media, like followers, like they take that into consideration.
0: Hey, okay. Allison. Putting you over says that looks an awful lot like their background. What
1: are the bricks? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm like black bricks, man. (laughs) (laughs) And to be fair, I made this background before I ever watched a single episode of their show.
0: I'm just giving you shit. I know. I'm still, in the, I, I wasn't there live on my phone. I had it set up so I could see what their chat was saying. Yeah.
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. Just- so as an, like as an influencer back to the list, being on topic and I'm, I'm weird. I'm the one leading us that way. As an influencer on social media, Kevin Nash has all these rankings or all these like people viewing because he's a podcaster. Now, if he walks into an arena, does that put him on the PWI 500?
1: He has to have 10 matches within six months.
0: 10 matches inside of six months inside of that year, correct?
1: Minimum 10 matches or six months of activity. Okay. With at least one match in each month. So you either, it's an either or. So you either have to have 10 matches or they look at a six month, if you, if for at least six of the, of the 12 little shy of 12 months you had to have had at least one match a month
2: and it was october to october
1: october october 1st to september 15th so it's two weeks shy of 12 months
2: so naomi and um sasha walked out on may 16th october november december january february march okay so i guess they just made it okay
1: and they had more than 10 matches.
2: All right. Well, it is what it is.
0: Uh, one, I want a Burberry scarf. Um, I think that's super cool. I didn't even realize that was a thing till last night. The scarf that MJF wears?
1: Yeah, you didn't know that that was like a real...
0: No, I didn't realize that was a thing until yesterday.
1: Google how much Burberry scarf is.
0: They're $445. Are
2: <laughs> oh, you imagining MJF wearing that all this time?
0: Let me ask. I just thought it was part of his gimmick because he's a pompous rich kid. But let me ask you guys a question, okay? Uh, Uncle Dave reported that AEW's ratings last night were 997, meaning they did not break a million with that stacked card and everything happening, Penta versus Mox, okay? And point the return three, of the... point three two in the key demo meaning that a third of their viewers were in the 18 to 36 demographic. They were in fifth place, um, and they got beat by the NBA and Real Housewives. Uh, Do you guys still think that the tried-and-true Attitude Era WWE tactics are going to work for TK long-term? Is he going to continue to stay strong using this key demo number, keeping the consistent viewers even though he's not getting – He's not getting the 1.3s, 1.5s that they expect him to get, but with him keeping such a consistent number in the key demo, do you think this is going to be
2: the key to the longevity inside of AEW? I think consistency is key, yes. I don't think that attitude error tactics are going to work anymore because we're in a different generation. You know, like what I used to think I could say to people face to face or behind their back is no longer accepted. That's why I'm rated Y. No,
0: no, no, no. I'm not saying the Attitude Era in that sense. What I, what I mean by that is when WWE was getting beat by WCW for the 83 weeks, WWE was in the same position, though. They were winning ratings in the key demo, but they were losing week over week for total viewers. Do we think TK can use this same algorithm for all intents and purposes to keep his company afloat through whatever he's going through now? As long as he keeps a consistent product that the key demo will watch, do you think that's all he needs?
2: TNA has been around for 20 some years. There's always going to be some sucker TV station that's going to take him on board. Uh, so yeah. Can he survive? Yes. Will he be a profitable company? That really is up to him. If he keeps bleeding the way he's been bleeding with spending money, the way he's been spending money, Mm -hmm. I can't see it. Um, He's lucky to be on the national spotlight with the channel that he's got now. But I think that that whole WCW vibe that he was going for at the beginning of this is the first time wrestling's been on this channel in 20 years. I think he's lost that audience. And now it's time to build stars. And he has with Darby. Um, he has somewhat with uh, Jungle Boy. But he still depends on the guys that are you know, approaching retirement. Daniel Bryan, uh, CM Punk, which you know he's kinda of dropped him. Uh any even Omega even Omega and the Bucks are getting to be that age. Like they're they're in the upper 30s, I believe, at this point in their careers. Um Jericho, obviously. Uh Jericho swagger. is like a
0: million years old.
2: Yeah, Swagger. So he's gotta start building stars of his own and not just keep taking these other stars from Japan because he's getting guys that are already in their prime. Or about to hit their prime um so they've only got a couple years left
0: kenny omega is two years older than i am so he is 30 he'll be 30 he just turned 39 yeah uh do you think that do you think there's that sweet spot though where a wrestler hits an age um he's 39 let's see how old moxley is uh, it depends on the- john moxley like- is 37 All uh, he'll be 37 in december Adam Page is I'm super young. What he the is average uh, age 31 is years as a old.
1: A W wrestler.
0: Everybody I've just checked right now has been over 30. Uh, CM Punk's like 100. He's old and tired. <laughs> I, I think Punk's
2: like what, 42 or 43? Uh, he debuted in 1999,
0: 1978, October 26. What's up, Scorpio Clan? Big talk.
2: He's 40. That he should be wrong.
0: Maybe that's why me and CM Punk are both incredibly toxic because we're both Scorpios.
2: So, yeah. So I, you know, again, it's building stars because if they don't build these stars, you know, I, I think a sweet spot for a wrestler is eight years in and eight years in like the prime time TV eight years in don't, don't be an indie darling from, you know, 16 and say when you're 25 that you're a nine year, 10 year veteran. Like that doesn't make sense. Like, when you make the big league, that's when your career really starts. Um, that's when you know, you really get exposure to TV, angles, interviews, things like that. And, you know, 42 used to be old. Like people, you know, Flair, uh, Austin and uh, Pillman were calling Flair old when he was 42 years old. And Flair went on for like another 20 years. And, hell, went on last, what, three months ago? Yeah, at he 70's. in July yeah so that was like the first time with him actually showing oh yeah i am old but you know it really i think it depends on your style and i don't think the aew style is going to protect these guys to be old wrestlers you know look at foley if foley didn't do the style he did he'd probably still be wrestling like undertaker just retired he did a very protective style uh triple h did a very protective style um michael's His only, his only, his he did a very protective style. Other than when he did backdrops and going over the top rope because he launched. But those guys played it safe. We'll go back to Hogan and Flair. They never did anything that they didn't have to do to tell the story in the ring. And if it didn't make sense, then they didn't do it. Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy are shadows of themselves. I don't think.
0: I think Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy are an apples to oranges comparison to Hogan because of when Jeff and Matt came through. I think they are products of their environment in a sense that for them to get over in the late 90s and the early 2000s, they had to do the things they were doing because when the ECW invasion happened, WCW buyout happened, they got bum rushed by, you know, the Devon Dudleys of the world. So, and the Bubba Rays, like these guys came in as the biggest tag team in the world. And all of a sudden they're, you know, kicking down the door of the Attitude Era locker room. Like we're here now, this is our tag team division. And this is at the end of the careers of the legions of dooms and stuff like that. So I think the Hardys had no choice but to step up. They weren't the best in-ring workers. So they had to, to go over the top with their spots.
2: I agree to a point, like you can look at Ricky and Robert, the rock and roll express when they came into the NWA, you know, you had the Russians there, you had the Anderson's there. Um, you had a lot of really great tag teams at that point in time in 84 when they or 86, when they came in 85, when they came in. Um, but they did it by, you know, it, again, it's a different time. You know, it's 10 years before the Hardys come in. Um, but they, they work together like they use those unison tag team, you know, combinations like the Rockers, you know, Shawn Michaels and Marty the Midnight Express. They were smaller tag teams and they were small fish in big ponds, but they became the big fish by working together and the Hardys did it, but they did it in an extreme way, like instead of working on those, you know, double team moves to where their opponents down, they went for the high spots um, and told that story. I think the best team of those three when you look at the Dudleys, um, Rock or Dudleys, the Hardy's, and Edge and Christian, I think Edge and Christian were the actually best ones because Shut your whore mouth. They, they were not, they were number three out of those three. They did not go out there and do the crazy moves during those ladder matches. There's very few big spots that I'm they sorry, took-
0: Christian did a Dudley death drop with Spike over the top rope through a table. Okay, Edge speared Jeff Hardy from the top of a 25-foot ladder. They didn't
2: do those high spots, Bobby. Those are some of the biggest spots from tlc too. You would see they will do one spot while the Dudleys and Hardys would do 10 during those matches. They were the most protected tag team of that. When there was a team that powder out, they powdered out the longest. And I challenge you to watch those matches again and watch how long they powder on the floor. I'm sorry, people that don't know powder, it's getting out of the ring and just staying out of the action.
0: I'm sure the smart marks know what you're talking about. I did. Allison, did you? Yep. No, she didn't. She's lying to you. I see it. Um. Well, we've we've got it. Allison, you got one more on your list for us. Is that what you said?
1: Mm-hmm. Let's do it. You know, you stole the thunder, on me the...
0: Quit being rude.
2: And there's our silence, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Dude, dude, Bobby! This episode's going to be a mess. Listen, I'm pushing Taco Bell as much as possible. It's one of the fast food places I like. Right.
0: Anyways... Mario's and Moonsault's.
1: (laughs) Sasha Banks was photographed training in Barcelona. Does this mean we will see her soon?
0: I think it's her knocking off ring rush. That makes the most sense. She hasn't been active in a ring since she left in, what was it, May? Um, May 21st? Yeah, so she hasn't she hasn't been in a ring, assuming since then. She's been running around playing Star Wars. Uh, big shout out to Star Wars. Big Star Wars guy. But that's neither here nor there. The point is, is that if she hasn't been in a ring, she's not prepared to come back. But when she does, she's immediately going to be one of the biggest stars. So she has to do this. She has to work out. She's got to knock off the ring rust. And she was training with Kalisto, uh, Samurai del Sol in Lucha Libre Barcelona. Um, So I think that's cool that she had a chance to work with a long time training partner in somewhere that wasn't WWE. Because you got to keep in mind a lot of what she did was through the PC and FCW and NXT and stuff. So it was kind of, I guess it might be cool for her to get out there and kind of see the world of wrestling and have a chance to work in Barcelona with a promotion she might not have been able to work with prior to leaving
2: WWE.
1: Yeah, and it allows her to develop maybe a new style.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, she's knocking off the ring rust. Um, I think it's also, though, she's just trying to stay in shape. Like, she's, you know, she's working out. She's staying flexible. Uh, what she's doing in the Star Wars universe does demand a lot. And she's one of those people that uh, from what I understand likes to do her own stunts. So, you know, she's got to stay limber for that and be able to take bumps uh, because those crash pads are going to hurt. So, you know, good for her. Again, I don't know if wrestling needs her in Naomi. I think they need her, um, but I'm not sure they need that tag team because the ladies tag team division in WWE is really not much unless you look at toxic attraction and what are they what are they doing like or you know do you bring them up to the main roster to get fed to a returning sasha and naomi which would kill the entire push that they've had for the past year with mandy rose
0: i completely agree with that i also um i think that if they push toxic attraction and mandy rose to the main roster too soon then they will get lost in the shuffle because they're doing this big push for damage control versus Alexa and Asuka and all of these girls. So if they throw Toxic Attraction in right now, it's just going to be another women's tag team in a tag team division that's just now starting to get traction again. I said when Bayley debuted at SummerSlam that a dominant female faction is what that division needed because it gives a main event singles competitor along with the pair of the, the tag team workers. So eventually we know damage control will have the tag belts and they will have that raw women's title. So this is the rejuvenation that division needed. But if we see toxic attraction come up too soon, we're going to get an AD, AEW situation where it's going to be an oversaturated market with too much
2: talent. Yeah. and I think that they did that mistake before when they had Paige leading the one group um, who Mandy Rose and Sonia was part of the other was, was that led by page or was that the other group? Like there was three, there was two or three groups that all had a strong leader. And then the other two uh, on, on with them, I know Paige was one leader. I can't, uh, Oh, um, riot squad, riot squad. Oh yeah. Ruby
0: riot. And, uh, you know, Liv Morgan. And what was her name? What was the
2: third member of, was it AJ Lee? No, no, it was, um, the wife of the Viking, Sarah, Sarah, uh, Something
1: Paige, Mandy, and Sonia were absolution.
2: That's right.
0: Yeah, I do remember that one now. Uh, that yeah, was but, a lot like uh, Beautiful People. And I said the same thing about Toxic Attraction that it was just kind of like the NXT version of Beautiful People from
2: Impact. Yeah, but I think Beautiful People, the one thing is that um, both those or all three of those ladies could talk like, and it wasn't until the one dropped out and they brought in the Von Eric. The Eric was just beautiful, but she couldn't talk and she really brought the group down. And then when they got rid of her and it was just, uh, sky, uh, velvet sky. And, um, the other lady, I can't remember, uh, Madison reigns when they brought those two in and they were just a tag team, not a, not a three-way anymore. That's when that group, I think really, really took off and still are at signings all over the place, um, all over the country. Now, Sasha, Tamina and Naomi were team bad. Yeah, that was the third one. But yeah, I remember Paige's group was on Raw and the other group was on SmackDown, but it was like a mirror of the same group. Like it was the blonde, the brunette and the leader. Like it was just,
0: yeah,
2: yeah. it was bad timing. And then you also had the four horsewomen coming up not too long after that or almost the same time as that. And they were overshadowing everybody.
0: Uh, Dave also chimed in and said, "I would like to uh, I would argue that a wrestler, male or female doesn't really get it until their mid-30s and then masters it in their 40s. Then he gave a bunch of examples, RKO Rollins, Roman Danielson, D, Becky, Mickey James, Ty Valkyrie. Uh, all perfect examples of the longer you do it, the better you get at it. And I think that's a, a good take to chime in there for that. Um, but it kind of all of that says the same thing, too, is all of those people are still active wrestlers. So it goes with what I was saying about there just being too much. If you start adding too much time, even with a three hour show and a two hour show and NXT, those seven hours of TV still isn't enough if you've got a 200 person roster.
2: Right. And you look at the names that you put on there. Those are all very safe workers like Randy Orton's very safe. Ron's is safe. Roman, obviously, Danielson's probably the only one that, you know, goes on there and does a little bit extra, you know, especially with that headbutt from the top rope. that um, you know, Dynamite Kid famously said, nobody should ever do that move again. The next guy to do it, um, the Crippler, we all know what happened to him and his family, unfortunately. Uh, and then Danielson having his concussion issues. So um, he's the one guy I think that just needs to take that, you know, look in the mirror and just say, hey, you know what? I know this move looks good, but uh, let's not do it anymore.
1: Especially, my, my life much. especially since he's already had to take, you know. Years. Uh, yeah, to heal and thought he would never wrestle again from a neck injury.
2: Yep. Like, it's okay to blade every week, like, what he does or what Marsley does. But don't do these high-risk maneuvers that, you know, again, learn from the guys that came before you. Like, Dynamite kid was in a wheelchair for, like, the last 20 years of his life before he passed away. And the guy passed away in his 60s, like, He should have lived a much longer life. He retired in his forties. So it seemed like Danielson's one of those guys that would be smart enough to realize, Hey, you know what? I love this sport. I love this business, but I've got to love my family and myself a little bit more. That's my soapbox. Thanks for coming to my Ted talk.
0: Well, guys, we did it. We made it. We, 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 we did it. They had the pullest teeth and, we, we grit our teeth and bear it, but we made it. We clocked it in. We got the time. We talked the topics. It was anything goes. I'm not sure what the hell we're going to call this episode, but. Dude, you know
2: what Bammer did it because he went the whole time
0: with us. Dude, Bama is going to get mad. He's going to get credited for this episode. I'm going to put it on there. Bama gets credit for this episode this week just for being here with us. Um, But it's my favorite part because I finally don't have to say anything and Jesus, we know tonight's the night where I can't say anything correctly. So, Bobby Mac, play hey, your stuff. Hey,
1: camera stopped fucking up, though.
0: Yeah, it did, because I shut it off and restarted it.
2: Yeah, so with me, the Yellow Shoe Guy, you can always follow me on TikTok. It's a race to 5,000. I'm less than 100 away from getting that magic number, and then we're going to double that number to get 10,000 so I can start making some money on the TikTok. So follow Yellow Shoe Guy. There's a lot of wrestling content on there. Uh, in between wrestling content, you might see me running around. You might see me playing the Oculus. You might just see me playing, doing other stuff. So, uh, follow me, Yellow Shoe Guy, on there, uh, as well as on Twitter and on Twitch. I'm not very much on Twitch, but hey, you know what? Follow me anyway. If you like a blank page, not getting a lot of spam, it's all about me right there. And of course, my accounting page, shh, don't know what, when I can be advertised. But, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, always a pleasure being on Botch, Box Spots and Chair Shops. Miss Siegel, you're up.
1: You can find me on the tweeters and the TikTok at girl 918 Um, I have a piddly 148 followers because I don't post that much, but I'm trying to do better. And I'm also trying to get to a thousand so that we can go live with Mr. Mac on um TikTok. Yes, Matt Ritter, you missed it the whole show. Because we start at 8 the same time
2: every week. What time? So I'm not the only one who doesn't know what time we start. I told you,
0: I said it early in the episode, you and Matt are more alike than the, the two of you want to give each other credit for. Um, you should follow Mr. 8984, that's RN, over at The Rewind. You should follow the Kai Tai Show. He's the host of the Smack Podcast Network, the UWO, and The Rewind. You should follow Ted, the Hillbilly Hill, at the Hill Truth Podcast. He is the IWC's favorite hill. You should follow M-A-T-T-R-I-D-D-E-R, Matt Ritter, because he's the bomb. You should follow KB Kinsey Wrestling, Bebe. You should follow Marie Shadows. You should follow the Indie Wrestling Gazette. But... What?
1: Charity show.
0: And you should check out the Botch Bots and Share Shots, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook accounts. And uh, click the QR code because that's a very trendy thing to do right now. So we hopped on that train. And uh, donate to a great cause for uh, LLS. Tomorrow night is the Orange Ribbon Rumble. Somebody thought it was a good idea to let Botch Bots and Share Shots promote a wrestling show. Tomorrow night we dabble in indie wrestling for the first time. But I'm going to take my time and make sure I don't mess this one up. <laughs> Now as we close another episode of Botch Bots and Share shouts I want to take a minute and thank you for listening. Remind you to go wherever you do anything on the internet. Like, follow, subscribe, unsubscribe, then subscribe again. Leave a comment telling me how great I am or how terrible we sound. Either way, it helps the algorithm and it helps find new listeners. If you're feeling really generous and be one of the VIP people, head over to patreon.com and donate to the Smack Raw Podcast Network. You get some fantastic swag. We get some fantastic guests. It's a win-win. My goodness... The episode is done for (laughs) the Yellow Shoe Guy, Bobby Mack, for the Boss Bitch, Miss Allison Siegel. I am V. Will Gray. Thanks for stopping by and listening, my people.